good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Thank you, thank you for the whispers. I'm going to speak a little louder. <laughs> Follow the message. Uh, 7.45 this morning, I was getting ready, and I was thinking about this talk, and I realized that there's a really big hole in this talk. And so I thought, well, this either means I have completely lost my mind, or Spirit is going to be telling us um, giving us a different message because what I realized is that I start out telling you one thing and then I start telling you just the opposite towards the end. And I thought, well, maybe Spirit is trying to weave in here the idea or the fact that both things can be true at the same time. I'm really hoping that that's what it was. <laughs> so I got this title from something that I came across and it was probably as I scroll through all the, what I try to be the funny stuff on Facebook. And what it said was, religion is following the messenger, spirituality is following the message. And as I started to write this talk, I realized there were a lot of ways to talk about this. So many angles. And in fact, I wrote one whole draft, and I probably kept about three lines out of the whole draft, because it was like, how do I find my way around this and talk about this, and what do I really want to say, and what does spirit really want me to say? So it's been an interesting journey. So the first thing I did when I really am confused is I go to the dictionary. <laughs> I mean, you know, you think you know what a word means, and it's kind of interesting when you look up a word and you find, oh, really? So here are some of the, some of the definitions. A, a message is a communication left for someone who cannot be contacted directly. It's a significant theme, especially one that has political, social, or moral importance, or a divinely inspired communication from a prophet or a preacher. Now, I know that this blurb may well have been meant to paint religion in a negative way, but that's not where I want to go with this. That's not, not the point. Religions, of course, are usually started by someone, and they tend to come with structure and rules. A lot of people are here because of those other places with structures and rules. And, <laughs> yes, and most usually those structures and rules are set down by the founder or the closest followers of the founder, the person, the messenger. And the message is then transmitted through whatever system is developed. And there are innumerable religions in the world. I suspect there's people who have written dissertations on the number of religions in the world and, I and tallied up, and I haven't gone and even looked for that because that's not the point here. The point is, is that there are so many different ways of relating to the divine 
And, most, and the truth is, most religions offer some beautiful teachings, and humankind benefits from the message of love and support that comes out of these organizations. And also, many religions have something in common with each other. And a great example of this is the Golden Rule. There are at least 13 religions that have a version of do not, do unto, do not, do unto others as you would uh, have them do unto you. In fact, we have a poster in the office where if you go right in the doors and right to your left before you even get up to the desk, there is a poster, it's a, be it's a beautiful poster, you can get it online in fact, um, but that has the different sayings and they're phrased differently and it's really interesting to see how that works. So they have that in common. You know, religion gives us a foundation. It's a way to anchor ourselves and to set on a path. And so what I take from this saying is that it can become, it, it, it's easy to become enthralled with the messenger to the point where you give up your power to another human. You follow the person, not the message they bring. And we often forget or don't understand that the messenger and the message are separate entities. Now, the Sikh gurus knew this. Between 1469 and 1708, there were 10 gurus, and each one of them, during their tenure, contributed to a holy book. And then the last one, Guru Gobind Singh, declared that they didn't need another human guru that the message was complete in the form of the holy book, which is now known as the Guru Granth Sahib. And that was him saying, look to the message. Do not give your power to any other person. Now, the Sikhs or Sikhs, all, I mean, they have a structure too, but they are built around the message. Now, sometimes a religion is very specifically built around one person, and you're told that if you don't believe in that person, you might end up in hell, and you might have an idea of who I'm talking about here. <laughs> you know, but the first New Thought class I took back in 19-something, uh, <laughs> I think that was like uh, 76, was, it was Discover the Power Within You, based on Eric Butterworth's book of the same name. He hooked me by the sixth paragraph, the first line of the sixth paragraph of the introduction. And he writes that theologians are often pre preoccupied with the religion about Jesus. But he asks, what is the religion of Jesus? What is the message of Jesus? And that's how he turned that around. And when I said, that's what always made more sense to me was, you know, the religion of Jesus as opposed to about him. And Butterworth also notes that the message of the Christian mystery seeks to teach one thing, the divinity of humankind. That's it. Jesus never set out to start a new religion. He just taught the truth. And granted, things got a little dramatic and out of hand. And, and that drama is part of why we probably get distracted from the actual message. And because of that turn of events, many people elevated Jesus above his message. And you know what? It's easy to do. This tendency to equate a person with their message is natural, I think. And we think that if 
some massive piece of wisdom comes out of a person's mouth that they must have some in with the divine. Anyone who offers up something inspiring can be put up on a pedestal very, very quickly. Writers and speakers and musicians and anybody who is willing to be up in front of people saying stuff. But all of us are human and we fall off that pedestal in a second. And when I was in high school, I was enamored with a certain writer. And I read everything he wrote with the exception of two books, and those were intentional. And I was really too young to understand everything that he wrote about, because there was a lot of social justice and stuff in it. But his, the way he wrote, his words kept me completely enthralled. And of course, I thought he was the most wonderful person on the planet because of the images he painted with language. And I wanted to meet him. I really wanted to meet him. And of course, that never happened. And I am really glad I didn't. After he died, I found out that he had a very, very serious drinking life. Um, he dealt with depression and in general was just quite the grouch. His words were golden, but he wasn't because he was fully human. Meeting him in person might have ruined the message for me. And I'm grateful that I got to learn that lesson from a distance and didn't have to go through meeting someone that I admired and then be so very, very disappointed that he didn't live up to my ideal. From that day on, I never had a hero. Well, there is Freddie Mercury, but you know. <laughs> there are people I admire, but I admire them for the message they bring and for the courage that they show in bringing that message. I'm grateful and I don't look too closely at their personal lives because honestly, that's none of my business. I do have to admit that I love Emma Curtis Hopkins. She seems like such a, a courageous person and I like how she moved from a very rigid teaching in Christian Science with Mary Baker Eddy with such grace. She had so many questions and she just went off to get those answered. She was all about the message and I love that. You know, she never started a church. She had a seminary for a while. Her mission was to teach others and those others are the ones who started what we have today and call unity and religious science and others. But I also think she probably would have scared the willies out of me with her high consciousness. So I let it go and I returned to her message. In thinking about the evolution of Emma Curtis Hopkins, I am reminded that something else can happen if a person gets completely focused on one, one person teaching one thing. The focus becomes narrow and we have fewer choices. Well, the choices are still there, but we don't know because we can't see them. So there is the danger of thinking you know everything and never being open to learning something new. That is a danger when you get too focused on one person. Now, when I was in my mid-twenties, I was about 25 when I, went, when I started going to a Unity Church, I went to the minister of, my, of, of that church. Now, I had been in the church for maybe 
six months, maybe not even that long. I just knew this is where I belonged. And I told him I wanted to be a minister. And he looked at me and he said, okay. <laughs> I you know, was ready with all of my reasons and explanations and he just said, okay. Now a while later he came to me and he said he wasn't going to recommend me to Unity, um, Unity School for some political reasons. You know, church stuff was happening over here that I didn't know anything about. But his mother was a religious science minister and she had a church where she was training ministers. She had moved from unity to religious science so she could train ministers in the field. She didn't believe that you had to give up your whole life for a couple of years to do this. And he said, I could go there. Now, he never mentioned the fact that I was very young, hadn't finished my college degree, and my life was pretty much a total and complete mess. Never said anything about that. He just said yes to me. So I was elated in many ways, but I spent about a week crying because I had to leave unity. And I knew it was silly, but hey, I was 26, and I had finally found a place where I thought I might, you know, like, fit or something. So when I, yeah, so, <laughs> thank you for that. When I, <laughs> when I talked to my mentor and admitted the sadness, he said, Deborah, it's all the same thing. This man helped me in many ways, but this was, this was the greatest gift he offered. I spent three years studying religious science, and then I moved to a different town, which had a different religious science church, so I couldn't continue with my ministerial year. And I wandered for 36 years before being ordained. I went to different churches. I went back to the Episcopal Church for a while. I tried unity churches. I studied. I, I taught some classes along the way. But I was free, because of this experience, I felt free to study anything and everything that came my way. I didn't get locked into one way of looking at things. And I learned to think about new thought and metaphysics from many different angles. And I learned that each one of us relates to our spiritual experience in a unique way. And whatever we study must make sense to us to make it useful. I learned to listen to and talk with people in a way that helps them connect with their own way of doing God. Because we each have our own way of doing the divine. Spirituality and religion are intertwined. You can find spirituality almost anywhere. And sometimes you find it in the most surprising places. I can think of two religions, major religions, <clears throat> that seem to be rigid and unyielding and oppressive, but if you dig deep enough, you may well find the original spark that ignited them in the first place, where the pure light of spirit came in and said, let's do this, here's the message. It's a matter of looking at the message itself, not the people running the joint. Now the word or uh, spiritual, I'm sorry, the word or idea of spiritual message can be loaded too. It's a spiritual message. We're being spiritual now. Well, what is a message and where do, they come, where do messages come from? Where do we go to look for messages? Do we have to look for messages? Do we have to appeal to angels and guides? 
Can our, our spiritual message only come from the unseen? Well, no. I mean, I have been talking about people who bring spiritual messages this whole time. But what might be missed is that the people who deliver spiritual messages are not unusual. They're not super special. These people are you. All of us, you, me, we're all messengers. Now, have you ever had a day where you're out <clears throat> in your comings and goings and you like heard the, th the same thing three times? You're in the grocery store and someone makes a comment and then later you're on the phone with a friend and they say something about the same thing and then you open the mail or look online and there it is again. Have you experienced that? Yeah, so you think, hmm, this may be a message. Something I might should pay attention to. And it turns out to be useful. How many messengers did you meet that day? How many of the messengers do, do you remember or do you remember the message? A message is that whisper that guides you, tells you how to move forward, how to be in the world. And that whisper can come from anywhere, yet our tendency is to look up and out because we grew up listening to the outer voices. Those are the voices that taught us how to behave and live in society. And of course, that was necessary. But in the process, we forgot something very important, and even I had to be reminded of this. Last week, I was chatting with someone in the courtyard, and I mentioned the topic for today. And this person's eyes lit up and twinkled, and he leaned over and he said, ah, yes, so many don't realize that the message with, is within us. We just need to dust it off. Wow, thank you, Bill, for that reminder. And of course, on some level, I know this. I knew this. I know it. We all do. You know it. But to have it stripped down bare like that, the message is always within us. We just need to dust it off. That just stopped me. And that's the thing, isn't it? The message we need is always here with us right now. But we don't always recognize it because we're looking outward. Yes, the message came from Bill, but I had to take it in and make it my own. Which, you know, makes the point that the delivery system is very, very fluid. I'm standing here delivering a message. I'm using symbols that we call words to convey a certain idea. That idea is the truth that is our divinity is within. It's right where we left it. That is our core message. We talk about it every week in classes and podcasts and blogs. We use music, words, prayer. We even use silence. It is our message to you and to the world. And golly, doesn't that just sound a little bit like we're all looking to SLC for the message? It is another way of looking to the church for guidance. But while we have structure at SLC, we don't have rules. We don't tell you how to live your life or run your relationship with God or the divine or the force or whatever you call the one power. We don't tell you how to do it. We don't tell you what to do. It is the same truth always. And then there's another 
one other deliveries method for the spiritual message, and it may be the most fluid one of all. Yes, the message is human divinity is within, and yes, we are in the process of rediscovering it and dusting it off, but we are the messengers. We interact with each other, we share messages. And just like the day you heard something from three different people, three or four different times, or my conversation with Bill, messages are constantly being sent and received. We constantly help each other. We help each other even when at first glance the message isn't what we want to hear. But the way we interact with each other carries a message of its own. How I react or respond to something is a message to me and the other people around me. Who I am speaks louder than what I say. You may have heard that before. Knowing this, acting on this, I become my own message. I may not need to say anything. I can stand here and convey a variety of messages or information just by standing here. It might not in that moment even be one of inner divinity. <laughs> but the more I think about the idea that I am my message and you are your message, the more I realize how important it is that we look away from the outer material world, go within and dust off our message of inner divinity. If I am my own message, then I want to be a positive message. And I ask you, what kind of message are you? One of sorrow and pessimism, or one of joy and hope? Are you a message of fear, or one of trust and courage? Think about this. Every message that is sent, every message that is received, has an effect in consciousness, from your consciousness into the collective consciousness. We cannot help but affect the collective consciousness. We may feel like it is tiny and small, but everything we think, and Reverend James will get to this next week with our words, is something, we are all part of the collective consciousness, we all contribute to it. There is no separation. The divine mystery of divinity is within you. You are the message. And I leave you now with my own version of the golden rule. Take a breath. Treat yourself like the precious divine being you are and also treat others as a precious divine being they are. Be the message of light, love, and hope. And so it is. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life